just when you thought it was safe to go onto iTunes. This is Next Level Guy. The only website that makes self-development as fun as going to the movies. It's time to take the red pill and escape the Matrix. What's happening, guys? It's time for another episode of the Next Level Guy Show podcast with your favourite tutor, Ian Dosmakai. Next Level Guy is a go-to men's interview, interest, and improvement website where I quiz the experts to find out the hacks, tips, methods, and protocols that you can implement in your own life to take it to the next level and live happier, healthier, wealthier, sexier, and so much more. Today's guest is Josh, the War Master Burnett. Josh is a former MMA fighter, professional wrestler, coach, commentator, brand organiser and so much more. He was trained under fight legends, he captured the UFC heavyweight title by knocking out Randy Couture at the early age of 24 and at that time he was the youngest UFC champion in history. He became the 10th king of Pancreas which he currently still holds the title of. He's now trained many top level professional fighters over the years and is a former New Japan pro wrestler including Josh has fought in Pride, UFC, K1, Dream, Pancreas and Super Bowl and is currently still an active fighter in the Anoki Genome Federation and Strike Force. In this interview we discuss topics like his story, masculinity, competing, strength and character, how to develop mental toughness, why there's a need to challenge yourself and it's very prevalent in today's society and so much more. And now let's get to the interview. So I've become a massive fan of you because you've done so much like the MMA, the wrestling. You know now you're com- competing, you're com- uh, doing commentary, you're promoting, you're doing so much. But for those who don't know your name, could you just give a little overview? You know, like why are why should people know who you are? Because you're a legend in my books. But some people who are maybe not into MMA don't know who you are. So if you get met somebody, you know, cliche social setting. How do you define who the legend Josh Barnett is? Wow, that's actually really kind of hard to define. Um, Not because I consider myself some sort of uh, anomaly uh, that exists without um, labels. It's just, it's just, it's, uh, it's hard for me to say anything around how I should be um viewed i suppose i always just leave that in the hands of the the the, the person viewing um well my name is josh barnett my nickname is the war master uh, which was bestowed to me by the heavy metal band from birmingham england bolt thrower um i've been a professional fighter since 1997 um i have competed in professional wrestling since 2002. I've built a lot of what I do um, around being a fighter and going to combat. But people are not made of just one thing. And so um, through the doors that were opened through fighting, you'll find me um, acting in film, uh, doing commentary, uh, producing MMA and professional wrestling shows, training professional wrestlers and MMA fighters, um, being at heavy metal shows and concerts, uh, to working on classic cars, 
doing road racing. I don't know, man. Basically, I'm a person that is, I always tried to live a life of, uh, with a real open mind towards what might be available, what, what might pop up, what door could open for whatever reason. And being of the sort to be willing to take, to, to move forward anyways, to do it. And even if that means that you flip your car over in the, in the uh, Baja 1000, because you've never done off-road racing before, and you jump down there on a on less than a week's notice to go do it, fine. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. Like I'm, I would rather go and fail than sit back and just think about how I could have done something or what would it be like to do. You know, I'd rather I'd rather live it. It's really difficult, isn't it, to define your life without going I do this as a job you know it's like the fight club sort of mentality it's you know we're not our jobs we're not our khakis you know we're actually you know what we enjoy and like who we are as a person and what we give into the world and true although I would argue that the person that wrote that sentence his job is a writer (laughs) his job as a writer is to write that sentence and to, to put that together, I was just having a conversation with a friend about if we were not also our jobs to a degree, it wouldn't bother us when we had jobs. Jo- there wouldn't be jobs that we hated. We would just do the job. And if it was not of any importance to us, I my, my, my opinion would be that we wouldn't do a very good job of it or we would do just enough, um, <clears throat> which to me isn't really the way you approach doing any job. But... Uh, it wouldn't. You wouldn't come home and be like, "I hate my job." You wouldn't care. It would be of no consequence to you. It's just a thing. But the reality is, your job is a reflection, partly of yourself, and you put some of yourself in your work, no matter what it is. Be it the mundane burger slinging, it's just a job to move me through to the next thing, or a job where you implore your passions um, through, say, writing uh, or something of that nor- uh, nature. You're, you cannot escape the fact that your job is you and you are your job. Now, it's not all you are. Uh, it's not the only thing you are. And it's certainly not <clears throat> the uniform doesn't necessarily make you your job either, right? You could show up in khakis or you could show up in a tutu. But if your job is to make sure accounts are up to balance and all the, the facts and figures line up the way that they need to so that you can have an accurate... Uh, understanding of the data that there's just getting the job done and then there's not you know yeah. there's only the only way i could look at it i love that sort of attitude I, the philosophy that you talk about in some of your other interviews the you know you when i listen to your interviews after fights you know you gave some of the funniest and some of the most thought out and articulate um sort of approaches to your answers you know you were a completely different mold to everybody else and that's what i really liked about you is like you you like when i wrote out like how and why i wanted to interview each guest and why i want to focus on it it was hard to define why were you because there's so much and i thought you just had that lifestyle that i loved you know it's the you did what you wanted, you did what made you happy, the wrestling, the competing, the competing, you know, and now you're creating <clears throat> something out your own love, and that's the biggest compliment I can give is you lead the kind of lifestyle that I'd want. But if we go back to your upbringing, 
you know, what what did you want to be when you were younger? What was your sort of career path? You know, what kind of child were you? You know, if if you were to see your younger version now, what would we see like the younger Josh doing to, to just lead you down this road? <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, it's a, there's a few things I could think of. One, the first thing I wanted to be was a garbage man because I thought it was so awesome how these big ass trucks would come rolling into the neighborhood and they would grab the they would empty all the they would empty the small cans into this big giant can, <clears throat> slug the giant can with them, dump everything into the back of the truck, and then run these odd uh, these levers and this compactor would come down and smash it all up. And I was like, oh, that's the coolest thing ever to a six year old. <clears throat> I used to even try to have like a bag of trash that I could bring down and take to the garbage man and throw it in the back and then watch him crush it up. Uh, so. Yeah, that was my first my first job that I wanted. Um, as to what put me down the path that I'm on, uh, uh, wow. Well, I'd say part partly it is the isolation of being a person on the margins by being an, interested in by just being a weird guy who liked role-playing games and heavy metal and comic books and um, not being a part of the cool kids club and having friends and but also having a very lone wolf type of mentality just which has always I guess been a part of my personality um, so being the kind of person that wanted to go out and challenge everything um, all the time, but at the same time also st- stand on my own apart from everybody else, be able to handle all my own things for myself, for my own reasons, and uh, and that those that would be with me were with me of their own volition uh, because they wanted to, not because they had to or they felt like they needed to or <clears throat> something more shallow. And I don't really know why i suppose it is the way it is but i just was born with an innate capability for combat and violence it just it didn't bother me i enjoyed it and i thrive in it so why not try to i mean not even why not it just there was no way that i wasn't going to do it i saw ufc 2 and on a videotape and i just said i'm going to do that someday like I, i love playing football i liked wrestling and just competing in sports and just being able to, especially any sport like wrestling and even track and field, uh, it's an individual sport. So I went out there. My successes were mine, but so were my failures. And I didn't need somebody else to prop me up. I didn't need anybody else to to cover my weaknesses or to let me down. It was it was it was up to me and my own work and the work that I did outside of the outside of the event that prepped me to, to be there helped determine what my results would be. And, uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm doing all the extra work and my other football teammate isn't, and then they are substandard and causing us to have <clears throat> weaknesses in, in, let's say, the, the defense or on the offense, well, then I can't make up for that. There's, there's nothing I could do there. I could tell them that they've fucked up, but there is no getting past the immediate uh, results of, of what they didn't do. 
And so being a very competitive person, watching people fight, I thought, okay, this is for me. This is what I need to do in life. I don't know what that's going to work out to be, but I don't care because I'm going to do it. Would you say that's the definition of masculinity is that having that purpose, that path where, you know, you could see what you wanted to do. I mean, how would you define the 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 way, the bit of the... Um, the true course of a masculine man is it somebody who like the one lone wolf panel or is it somebody that sits with the pack and does their own thing i mean did you feel awkward was it difficult to step away from the majority of what everybody was doing and go look to compete because back in ufc too i mean it wasn't exactly mainstream at that point yeah did you have any kind of <clears throat> issues like socially did you find not obsessed but like did you find it difficult to kind of focus on doing that when it wasn't actually at a, a potential career as such no uh because that wasn't why i was doing it i mean i knew that there was careers that could be made out of it uh i would watch pancreas videos and things like that and go okay well here's ken shamrock and other guys traveling from other parts of the world to go and compete so at the very least, I could see the world uh, on someone else's dime. And that's something that was really important to me, to be able to travel. And uh, I knew that there were people could make money at it. Um, maybe they would make, I mean, I didn't really know what, how it would stack up across the board um, with other occupations, but I knew that what money was at the top was going to be incredibly difficult to get. Um, but nonetheless, that was the, the point of doing it was to forge ever onward and to try to drive and to strive for something great, right? So Nietzsche says, you know, uh, be, you know, live dangerously, build your, build your houses on the side of Mount Vesuvius, you know, go after something that could mean you lose it all. Um, but do it earnestly because that is life affirming that is and that doesn't just mean like go out and do a bunch of crazy wild stuff but it also means don't shy away from uh, a difficult challenge or a difficult thing to to accomplish i mean if you can see that there is potential uh for you to to start creating something in that space then by all means fucking do it and do it earnestly and honestly take good stock in and your capabilities and how you're growing how you match up with your peers but more so how how you continue to to get better how much you're growing with every day and every week and every month and are you are you getting to a point where you feel like you will continue to get past plateaus and, and get to a higher level of who you are and, and what you do and then continue to be honest about it and maybe you know you reach a point where the the cost doesn't met out uh equally with the with the uh benefits or i should say the 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 the, the spoils then you know, maybe you move on, but I don't think there's any shame in anything you do that you did 
like you fucking meant it. I don't think you, you, you there's no waste in that. There is only, I think, uh, an experience in that that breaks you open and builds you up in not just a myopic way and say like just in an athletic sense in a, or a very narrow athletic sense. I just became really good at, at throwing punches and no, it's not like that. The, the journey itself is, is filled full of a lot of things, uh, that will penetrate through all aspects of, of being. Um, so when it came to fighting, I was already of the, the sort that I just, I didn't give a shit what other people cared and, and what they did and whether it was cool or popular or anything. I was already somebody that didn't, that was on the, uh, on the edges and wasn't a part of any of the cool stuff anyway. So what the fuck did I care? For me, it was, okay, I get to go out here with my two hands and forge my destiny. I get to stand in front of another human being that's going to try and tell me what I can or can't accomplish or that they deserve this more than I do and I'm going to destroy them. And I get to spill blood and get my nose broke and, and be a part of all that and live in that, that moment of, of battle and get paid for it possibly. And I couldn't see anything more meaningful to me at the time, anything that would make me more fulfilled. And, uh, you know, it really felt like the moments in between were just a way to get another fix. Um, uh, and by that, and that fix being that that payoff, not a high. I think that's a cheap way of describing it, but a feeling, a sense of freedom, uh, and a sense of. I would even say perhaps what what Nietzsche might have been referring to, as far as going from being a higher human to in the state of being the overman and living in a moment that makes me feel as straight to the core of human being as you could possibly be, but a state that maybe that isn't really something you can sustain all the time because nobody else could be around you. And it would probably be something like running on nitromethane the whole time to the point that you just burn out. <laughs> I don't, don't know that it's, it's some, a place you can stay at, but as far as how that process translates to, an aspect of masculinity i think that i think it's a it's a human endeavor in general i think maybe some way about the approach could change between masculine and feminine uh, but we all possess that capability of choosing choosing paths to create growth and stimulus agitation uh, through the difficulty of trying to accomplish something but also the the difficulty of finding our utmost expression because much like communication it can be difficult to say the most succinct thing um to express what you mean and how you feel so that the largest audience can know just as much as you how it is to feel that thing within yourself so that they can understand it too. I and mean, it's very difficult. And, you know, trying to find, put a rope on and, and gather these, these 
things within yourself, these essences, these these emotions, these these maybe these spiritual elements within you as you go through being and then display them in a way so that it makes it, it is not maybe maybe you don't care if somebody else understands it but you you need to, to let it out and in some way I think you need to understand it uh, from your own perspective and, and there's a lot of a lot of digging and um, trying to get a proper angle on what you're seeing to make heads or tails of it. Uh, sometimes a person you need to be right on top of it. Sometimes you need to be a far away from it. Um, you just never know which one it's going to be. Uh, and sometimes you might even actually need the perspective of others and to look from what they see and then look down upon that. Like, uh, you know, I know Joe Rogan always says he doesn't read the comments, right? I fucking read comments. I don't read them because I take them to heart, but, um, you know, there's been people in, let's say, the the uh, discipline of group psychology, like the great Alfred Adler, who would go on about, you know, how groups act and interact and how they see things and what, what motivations they might have that are distinctly separate from the individual, but together perhaps they're all noticing something and moving upon it but not able to see it distinctly from an individual standpoint and so i'll read comments i'll see stuff and <clears throat> oftentimes I, I i i will find what i see as a common thread and that while each person is there there is a, a through line each individual comment itself isn't necessarily remarking upon that they're not specifically pointing this one thing out but you can see that there's there's there may be a an essence there that exists. And now, mind you, it's probably all constructed out of their own perception of what they see. But um, if that's what they see, why do they see it? It's interesting to me to figure out. Well, how would they come to this point in the first place? It could be completely wrong from what you're trying to present to the world but even still it exists and it's a thing to them all right so what do i do with it how do i understand it you know what what is it about this that is that maybe actually have some truth to me or not you know if it's, a, if it's at least true to them there's something to consider um I guess I'm getting off topic as far as masculinity, uh, but uh, uh, um, I, I love that masculinity. <laughs> masculinity um, I think, from a man's perspective, there is an importance at least to go through maybe a ritual um, from boyhood to manhood, and I think being a man is part of that is the taking on of responsibilities, the 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 choosing to uh, interact with life in a way that you know is going to bring suffering upon yourself and that you're going to bring suffering into the world as well. And through that, you will find growth. You will find your way to... It's like, you know, the, the most uh, ceremonies of manhood involve blood and death 
and sacrifice and strife and struggling and you know there's usually a element an element of of danger attached to it and because life is dangerous and i don't just mean in the sense of like random maniacs uh, stabbing or shooting you or hitting you with their whatever right or drunk drivers i just mean that the the nature of of the universe itself is a dangerous place um, animals don't maul you because they enjoyed it they just do sometimes you know uh trees fall lightning storms happen um plants get uh killed via frost and you don't have enough crops i mean there's there's even though uh i know that, that that climate change is such a big thing and rightfully so i think we should be more observant about how we interact with and what what we may be influencing in the environment but even without us species went extinct anyways nature killed off it it's, it kills off its own uh because it doesn't it is just a matter of circumstance at times and uh you know life is a difficult place but if you have any hope at all of trying to uh, make sense of it then you're going to have to be prepared for that difficulty and uh and ultimately i think that as you look at the modern age the the luxury of life as it exists now um in so many ways has, has been actually quite a detrimental impact on a lot of uh um, the natural course of, of people in the world definitely uh, yeah. especially in the west i mean would you say that's where today's society goes wrong is that guys have not got that ritual to go from manhood you know because i started jiu-jitsu when i was what, 36 35 and it's the first time i've kind of felt a primal understanding of who i am and what i'm about and i can have emotional maturity and just sit centered with the world and i didn't really understand it at first you know i thought it was just a bloody good workout but i've certainly grown and developed as a person as cliche as that sounds but is that why you find like a lot of guys are going wrong is that we don't have these challenges we don't have these purposes that there is no rituals you know like should every guy listening go and do a combat sport or something physical like that would that resolve it or do we need i get what you're getting at with this and i do have an answer or at least i have something to say about it um, i have to correct myself i always different student of freud not adler it's edward bernays edward bernays is the uh the big time group psychologist but also mm -hmm. i believe studied under freud so uh, um it's the lug see now let's see that's a i had a conversation uh, or i should say i i made a small speech to some folks pointing out that combat sports as it exists in this this modern era is a opportunity for us to for self-inflicted suffering right so it's a way for us to put ourselves in harm's way of a sort to break ourselves down and build ourselves up it is but in a safe environment um that ultimately there really isn't a lot at stake so it's not like we're in a, a ludus and gladiatorial days and we're, we're slaves essentially and our fighting is possibly for freedom or other things or just, just plain old survival it's not that it's not that we're prepping for conflicts um that may arise um through 
neighboring states or what have you or tribes it's not that either right it's we know that when we get done sweating and 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 hurting and suffering in in the gym we clean up and we go home we get on our social media feeds and we get to tell the world how tough our workout was and how much it kicked our ass yeah. and then go to our yeah. go to our job the next day and we didn't get our arm broke and we didn't get choked to death we didn't get bludgeoned. That's not the case. So, you know, I think that it's highly uh, beneficial to train in combat sports. Highly beneficial. Not only in, in that you're getting a good workout and it's physically demanding, but that it, it is giving you skills. Now, I mean, there's greater arguments of, you know, you're training at a jiu-jitsu school that's very, very, very um, tuned towards competing in like gi ibjjf type competitions then it's like uh i'd say it's better than nothing because it is physical you're still learning a lot of excellent techniques and movements but you're building a lot of time specializing yourself into the the breed of athlete that competes in a very 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 narrow tunnel versus you know sitting down and pulling guard and doing all this stuff it's like well okay yeah but when six dudes start stomping your head in Pulling guard didn't really seem like such a great idea, did it? No. <laughs> or no. Uh, <laughs> if, if somebody you know gets gets adequately pissed at a bar and whips you in the head with a beer bottle because you couldn't take them down, then I guess that's going to seem pretty useless towards applying some sort of a of a you know a butterfly guard sweep. <laughs> you know, that's just not. I'm there is there is training and then there is training for a very specific task and a lot of jiu-jitsu seems training for a very specific task there is overlap in their uses and i think that it's also good the, the biggest thing about it all is that even in a let's say a very ibjjf competition oriented school with a with let's say a, a guard pulling mentality and getting advantages and all that at the end of the day you're still on the mat with people going for it 100%. And I feel like live sparring like that really makes a big difference when it comes to high-intensity, high-pressure situations in real life. It does make a difference um, in terms of your ability to act and react and view things around you. Uh, at least I've noticed that there have been times where stuff's happened, like I got hit from behind in a car, blam, and it totaled my vehicle, but yet... As soon as everything happened, it's that cliche of everything being in slow motion. I saw who hit me, that they were turning off down a side street, and you know, I could react the entire time and have focus and clarity about what was going on and where things were in, in, um, uh, in relation to each other and make these, I would say, critical assessments much more calmly and quickly because of being in the ring so much and being in full fights and stuff like that. I think that combat sports are great for both genders, both sexes. I really feel like it, it is a really useful thing. Uh, you know, if you talk to people about what it was like to describe their matriarchs and matriarchal individuals in their families three generations ago, they are of a stock that is very rare 
in this day and age. And I'd say you'd say it the same for your patriarchal, but you know, people lived, they, they had less luxury through technology and they were more in tune with who they were as natural beings in the world and, and, and being more in tune with their, just their natural state. And they had to be tougher and they had to be more physical. And it's, it's interesting. You can see photos of women from, and while you won't find many very easily of a sort that you could see their bodies a whole lot because that would, might be considered immodest, would be considered immodest, but women were very much more physical in their builds. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not that they were all hulking crossfitters or anything like that, but you could see that the way that they were put together was like, oh, okay, this, this person is... Uh, has a has a sturdy frame about them. They have muscles that look like they've been used, and even if they don't appear particularly masculine, let's say if you want to put it that way, um, their femininity isn't isn't any lessened. But it's just that you could see that there is a difference, and there weren't you know big fancy gyms that they went to every day. This was just out of existence itself. So, uh, lack of Lack of, of, of coming-of-age rituals, yeah, I think that is a problem in society. I just think that the fact that men aren't being properly mentored to be men is, is, is a trouble, right? To put their, their energies and efforts into things that are, that are not responsibility-bearing, that while... I understand that depending on where you live, you know, culturally, things do change and, and what is expected of somebody in, in here in L.A. versus what might be expected of someone in, say, uh, I don't know, like in a remote part of Scotland or um, some part in, in India uh, is going to be vastly different. You know, it's like the difference between city city dwellers and, and, and farmers, right? So... Very different and distinct ways of approaching life, and of course, a lot of that is built upon what they have to do on a day-to-day basis to not just accomplish what's needed. Let's say to earn a buck or have food or a roof over your head, that sort of thing, but then also how how their communities view them too. Right, so a farmer or a kid on a farm that wasn't up at four in the morning like everybody else doing the work wouldn't be as respected by their peers as someone that was. You know, that that goes a long way. And so, living in these big cities, which I think a lot of what we see in media is really derived from very uh, uh, how do I, very small yet dense places, and it can, you know, this is where these were the hubs of these of technology, and a lot of this modern mainstream culture is going to come from, and you get this impression that that things are one way, when in reality, I mean, there's certain tropes that have never changed. So, superhero movies are still full filled full of superheroes, and very masculine traits uh, that have often rites of passage that show courage in the face of overwhelming odds or in the or courage in, for the fact of courage alone, not in the idea that 
that courage is necessarily equals success. So uh, was it uh, Captain America when he was just, um, you know, a nobody, a scrawny little pipsqueak, he did everything he could to try and get into the military. And Steve Rogers was just incapable. He was just physically not there, not possible. And he, you know, get in the, in the first movie, if we're going to just use the films, he gets into a fight in an alley and he refused to stay down. Now, I mean, you could say, well, that was, that kind of courage was, was foolhardy. But the, the point was that it wasn't about whether or not he thought he was going to win. It was just that he was not going to, he was not going to back down from, from, a, from challenge. Uh, no matter how difficult, because he'd rather, you know, make his peace there and, and be someone that, that stood, stood in front of difficulty than to be someone to, to run from it. And in the end, that was what made him the candidate to be Captain America in the first place. And then he gets his big jacked up, kick-ass, like, Superman body. But if only it was yeah, yeah, well, right. You know, much of what we... You know, there's a lot of monumentally heroic examples that never get any, there is no good, there is no positive payoff, you know, it just doesn't, doesn't work out that way. I mean, there's uh, plenty of times where I've done what I would say is the right thing and I didn't benefit from it. You know, if anything I had to, I, it cost me something, even if it, it cost me perhaps even just some you know, hedonistic happiness for for whatever I would have got from it. But to me, and you know, I've had people be like, oh man, well you just should have, should have done it anyways then. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can think about it that way. But ultimately that's, given the same scenario, I would just do the same thing again because doing what I feel is right takes precedent over doing what just feels good or what I feel like I could get away with. Because you can't build a life on that. Not a life of value, uh, in my opinion. You, you have to make those, you have to make the decisions that, that in some way may cost you. That, or that may, may be more, they're going to be you losing out. But it's, but because you, you did it for the right reasons, it continues to make you as an individual better you know it, it continues to support that foundation underneath which all else will spring i really like that because i mean i grew up in sort of the highlands of scotland and it, you know we've worked with animals and we had our own crofts and stuff like that and it's like you said is it's completely different how somebody in india might be brought up and i think that's the problem is like you can do jiu-jitsu you can do mma but it's it's all still in a controlled environment. You know, it's not to survive. How, I mean, how did you feel that your, that your com competitiveness, you know, how, like in the, like Bellator, uh, UFC, the wrestling, etc. how did that change you as a person and your outlook in life by, you know, actually going to that level of where you were going against somebody who's literally there to hurt you? You know, is to go in there and to try to knock you out, to tap you out, etc. You know, for some people who have never been in that kind of environment, even rolling in jiu-jitsu or whatever, how how can you, like, explain it? You know, how does it change you as a person 
and how you see life and what you know because this this is what I was very interested in. It's like you seem a very deep and articulate person. You know, you you understand a, a lot of things. You're obviously well read. And then Joe, I remember on one Joe Rogan episode, he mentioned that you seem to enjoy, you know, throwing fists and causing pain and you know beating the other person. Um, not in a sort of na- negative and nasty way, but you know, you kind of. Uh, it kind of just was a, a, you're perfectly okay with it so how do you balance both sides of you when you're competing in that sense you know like how what did it change you as a person by fighting and winning etc because you're bloody good at it well for one when you go out there and you throw yourself in some sort of a life or death kind of situation uh and i realize that might seem a bit hyperbolic with with professional fighting but no we just had two two boxers die so yes it is a potentially life or death situation um honestly the easiest the first the, the simplest thing i would say is that it makes you view the small stuff as just that small you know if you really take it in the small things are small and in the grand scheme of things why do i need to get worked up about that why why the fuck would i care no one's going to die. I'm not going to die. No one's really getting physically hurt. Your day will continue to go on. And much of what is a problem with it is something that you're continuing to feed to and and give growth. It's, it's your your decision. And, you know, that's a, uh, that's a very simple thing uh, and a very simple example. So I, I accept that. But I think as a general... Uh, that, that holds true. Um, and for me, yeah, a lot of people are like, oh, I always expect this or I expect that or it's, you know, you're so even keeled about, you know, X, Y, Z. And I'm like, well, I, why? Well, I, don't, I don't understand why I would give a shit. And sometimes I, I think it's a bit of a detriment because there's a lot of folks in the modern society that I live in out here in Hollywood where reacting uh, more I don't want to say histrionic but like making a bigger deal about some things and caring more about stuff that I find very shallow and surface level and, and really unimportant matters to them and it matters to other people that it matters to them like it's somehow they 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 coalesce around it and that is an expression of importance. And to me, I'm just like, well, you guys are putting all your fucking money in the wrong bank, really. Um, and if yeah. you, and it's almost like it seems like a, a an exercise in, in masturbation, and then it becomes mutual masturbation. <laughs> so everybody is in a way, right? Yeah, but in, in a sense that you know, it's not buying the same cars. It's it's having someone view some small petty stupid fucking thing in a more important light and then other people doing the jumping seeing as such and doing the same thing or or reacting the same way and seeing like well see you know my peer has done it so therefore it's you know if i do it it must there must be meaning to it and and now they get to, to wallow in that that what all as much as i can really define it as bullshit you know being able to have bullshit validated and then, and then uh, I, sh- I would say, uh, 
uh, foster and and live in it makes people happy because it, it keeps them away from the deeper, more important things, right? Oh, this this bullshit thing is. Well, I better I better fucking react and deal with that. I better give a bunch of emphasis and, and emotional energy into this thing because ultimately it's easier to do that than it is to say, oh, how do I fail as a participant in these other people's lives? How, how have I actually been making other people's lives worse? How have I been a selfish son of a bitch and my, my, the ripples that come away from, from, my drops in the water, what, and they affect the environment around me. How is that the case? How have I been lying to myself to keep away from dealing with a very difficult and important problem that maybe I just don't have an answer to right now, but it, it's going to take a lot of work to get through. How do I, how do I avoid that? You know, how do I deal with the, the things that are ultimately far more important towards, towards being and far more necessary, um, uh, in creating uh, a, a person of depth and of full security and confidence in who they are, or as much as you can get, you know, um, I mean, those are those are those are things that people would rather tend to avoid. And so, I think, you know, with anything you do, it, it also a lot of it depends on your mindset going into it. And there's plenty of people that can go into a gym; they just Perhaps they, they get to a point of mastery. I don't even say mastery. I'd say they get to a point of uh, proficiency, and then they their expression of that over those that are weaker than them fulfills them. You know that they would rather do that instead of being the person. Like um, one of the things that was always has always been the case with me is that wherever I was, it didn't matter how bad I was getting my ass kicked, I would just. I would I would take it into me. I would remember everything about that ass kicking and how it happened and how I felt, and I would eat it and chew on it and think about it and digest it. And then over time, I would come back and I would continue and continue. And then until all of a sudden, it was it was not me getting that ass kicking. It was the next person, and and it was them, and it was it was them all the time. And I would continue to push and strive and push and strive, and it would get to where. I'm the best guy in the room minus maybe the, the highest, the highest level instructors there. So everywhere I went almost always invariably ended up in me trying to take out my own instructors. And it's like a cliche kind of Kung Fu movie concept. Like, Oh, I'm a wandering fighter. And you know, when I find someone that can beat me, I'll, I'll stay and learn from them. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of became part of who I was. Um, I would just keep continue to go up the line until I found that person who was that much better than me. And I would just continue to, to storm those gates every day and take those ass weapons and learn everything I could from them and dissect them and, and, and ask questions. And, and, you know, for me, it wasn't like whether or not I was losing in the gym. I mean, it's just a gym, right? It wasn't life or death. It didn't, it didn't, no one's keeping a record, but this is a chance for me to grow. This is where all that failure will lead to success. What is it? The Edison is like, I, I don't see failing a thousand times as a failure. I just see that as a thousand times that I know something won't work. And so all these light bulbs he tried to make to begin with, that they were all failures of some sort. But 
from those failures were the kernels of or the grains of success that he would eventually plant and make a forest out of. So uh, that's that's the way I viewed it, and that's still the way I view it. Bad days are bad days, and you know sometimes they touch me emotionally, and I I, I wouldn't say I get petty about it, but I get vengeful. Um, I get hard on myself. I get vengeful with myself and vengeful with other people. But um, ultimately, I view them as things necessary to unlock something that's holding me back. Something that is keep some. There's some way that I could be better. Maybe I won't be better than them, but I'll be better than I was, and that's a victory. And I guess that is part of this very, very vague, I guess, or sort of generically sounding statement that an old coach, Billy Robinson, gave me, or he used to profess it, He'd say it all the time, and I fully believe in it, and that is you got to learn to learn. You got to learn how to learn. And you can go in there and learn tab A and a slot B and what have you, and but the thing is, when it's all going, man, it's all going to be different. You don't know what it is. You never know how this stuff's going to turn out. And if you really want to know things, you got to be able to, to learn how to turn your mind on in a way to best understand and to be okay in places of the unknown, which is, as far as I can tell, the scariest place for most human beings to exist in, the, the place of of. of of ignorance, of total ignorance, of lack of knowledge, of unknowing, like finding their way in the dark. And, you know, I mean, look at how difficult it is for someone to just simply say, I don't know. Just to say, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that. I'd like to know the answer to that. You know, maybe you and I could figure that out. That's just not a place that most people want to go to. I mean, that resonates for me because when I was younger, it took, I mean, I grew up in a small fishing village and it was you know when you were sitting with like the guy other guys who were like the big fish in the small pond they were just better than the general kind of people like you know maybe they're better at football than majority so they kind of had a bit more of a kudos in the village and you know you were sitting there and i was like i never felt happy i never felt right to be just sitting there and not challenging myself and that's why i needed to start the podcast that's why i needed to move to the big city that's why i needed to start jiu-jitsu it's, there's too many people who it's safer to stay away from that you know it's they don't want to challenge themselves they don't want to open up to like you're saying is admit that they don't know they they don't want to be seen as infallible or having something not being that person that's king of the castle sort of thing and it, it's really quite sad in a way you know it's I grew up with so many of these guys and they would hit drink and the drugs just to kind of numb the pain. They never wanted to kind of listen to that voice that said, you know, there is more to life. You could do more with yourself. You could be pushing yourself. And that's why I love this show because I get to speak to guys like yourself and it just keeps evolving my mindset and keeps challenging the way I think. And just when I think I have it set... I then come and speak to somebody like you and you really kind of open up different avenues of reading and different people to, you know, research. Do you think this kind of reading and interest helped your fighting, you know, when you were younger? Because you were a kind of a submission specialist and, you know, you really kind of broke the mould with, like, guys. You know, you, you weren't the kind of stand and fight, like, you know, throw fists like the heavyweight like um, department normally do. 
but you kind of just waited your moment you you were comfortable in the uncomfortable situations you picked your moment and went for it and finished the fights you know how can somebody listening get into that you know how can we control our emotions yeah, even even if it's just in a normal life situation how did you find that while shit was hitting the fan you could keep your head above you know the base emotions and actually control yourself and the situation you're in you know what did you learn from those kind of environments uh well you, you got to learn that that things are happening but getting worked up about it to a way that is that takes away your control like i'm not against getting angry or frustrated or letting your emotions come come out it's just a matter of your emotions cannot overwhelm your ability to effectively act um, in the way that you think is best so things are happening things are bad what have you but getting so worked up so getting histrionic about it isn't gonna isn't gonna change anything it won't it won't necessarily make it any different it just made you suffer more and expend more energy, mental energy, emotional energy, spiritual energy. It just, it's a waste. So instead, if you can tap into those emotions and then streamline them into your purpose, then you'll find great success out of it. You know, um, you know people are always like, oh, there's no time to hate. If you hate, you know, it's just it's so draining. Like, well, yeah. Yeah, you're right to a degree, but hate focused can be the sharpest knife you've ever had in your hand <laughs> to cut away at what's within you and what's around you to uh, to bleed out that which is stopping you or bringing distress into your life within or without. So you know, I'm not one to, and I guess part of that is because I feel like I have a a very well-developed shadow, uh, as if you're into Jungian psychology, I know that I know who I am, and I don't, I'm not afraid of what's dark about my person. And incorporating that into everything about who I am allows me to live the life that I do, to find joy in dark things, and also to appreciate the light that much more. Um, I am not without it, and no, nobody else is either. You know, uh, even though we're not all the same. Uh, and I guess that's, you know, part of like that being on that, that one episode of Rogan's where he said, well, you know, when you're out there and you're doing, you didn't, you know, you don't really, you're not really, you're not really trying to hurt people. And my response was, yes, I am. I am really trying to hurt everybody I fight. I'm trying to, you know, that they get to walk out of a ring at the end is because a referee says so. That's that's it, and I expect nothing less from my opponents. I expect the same thing to be coming my way. If um, who's who walks to the ring with me, those are my friends. Everybody else who's in front of me is my enemy. And if I get done with that guy and his corner jumps in, I'm going after them. If the referee tries, he's done too. If the if the crowd lines up and starts trying to come to the cage, I'll just keep going until I'm done or they are. That's just the way. When I'm there at that moment, that's that's who I am. And that is not a place I have to get to. That is a thing that exists in me at all times. And that's just part of who I am. 
and I don't, I'm not ashamed of it. I don't, it's not something that is out of control in my person. It's, it's not like that at all, but I can use it when it's needed and it's always there. Um, and I don't see that as being bad. I don't see it as evil. I just see it as a part of who I am and part of the nature of what makes me me and how I'm built. Mm-hmm. No, but it's a good thing to be able to tap into, but can it be learnt? Or is it a natural thing that some people have and some people don't? Or is it a switch that we can turn on inside ourselves? Maybe all the above. Um, I think that even if it was something that was natural within you, it would still need to be groomed, like anything. Any aspect of your person needs to be needs to be developed. Your sense of humor needs to be developed. Your 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 sense of emotional control and also ability to emote um, effectively. These things all need to be groomed. You fall in love, you do dumbass shit, and you learn from it. And the next time you figure out that love is not just the feeling in you know the bottom of your spine that makes you all tingly and how fun this is. It's it's other things, and then your definition of love continues to not diminish but grow. And, and so as you get along further in life or even in, in a relationship and as that relationship grows and evolves and becomes more uh, in-depth, your feelings and your understanding of love grows and becomes more in-depth and takes on more perspective. Um, and, you know, that's just dealing with something that as, as a kid seems one way, you know, like some sort of electrical jolt shoved into your body out of nowhere, to something more nuanced and yet deeper and stronger yet. So I feel like all things need grooming. All things need need time to be explored and to un- understood. Uh, otherwise, you know, you wouldn't want to be a person who is just made up of impulsive, knee-jerk, pleasure or pain you know that would be a dangerous way to in fact you know I've, I've known people like that and they usually don't live very long lives uh or very happy ones so uh but uh you said something about the going back a bit about these these kids in your 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 village you know these big fish in a small pond and and you're right uh in that they are content to stay in a lane. Um, there's like a certain level of proficiency that they've got to, uh, a certain uh, aura or let's say uh, reputation about themselves that they've been able to express into the world and have other people respond to. And so in this, they feel like they can be successful enough to sustain some kind of meaningfulness and happiness. Um, but ultimately that they know when, especially when confronted with something or someone who has been able to do the things beyond that, to face those fears of failure uh, or um, losing whatever have you would want to describe that and pushed forward anyways and moved beyond that. They know it. People know it. 
people know when they're, it's just like when people will ought to say like, oh, they don't really under like, no, 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 no. People understand when they're being pieces of shit. People understand when they are making choices that are not ethical or when they're going against their commitments. They know it. They, they all, you have that conversation with them and eventually you'll get to that point where they knew it the whole fucking time. You know, our ability to lie to ourselves is, is often quite capable, but you can't lie to yourself unless you're willing to accept it. That's the thing. The lie, the ultimate truth about lying to oneself is that it's not that you're fooling yourself in any way, shape, or form. It's that you're convincing yourself to allow the lie to set. That's what it is. It's, that's ultimately the biggest thing about that. You don't ever really believe the lie. It's all the whole time is just spent trying to get to the point that you allow it to, to, to not challenge it and to allow it to set itself in your person. And so when it comes to that, it's like the ultimate, one of the ultimate things about being a man isn't how you can possess power or um, capability and express it over others or get to a a minor point of capability and and then ride that for as long as you can no i mean really that's not a display of strength at all the a real display of strength is choosing to do what's difficult regardless of what other people will think about you choosing to do what's difficult knowing that it's going to be not just difficult uh, in how you take it, but even how maybe the other world might even see you. And I mean, one of the most, the strongest, one of the most manly things you can do in life is to not be a fucking coward. You know, one of the weakest things you can do is be a coward and sit there and align yourself in this small little way that you know that you can have enough success to, uh, to fool yourself and to fool others. That you're really getting somewhere and you know that that's that's cowardliness and that's one of the worst things one of the weakest elements of being a man or being anyone and you know that doesn't mean that you have to go out and and you know deadlift a thousand pounds or do something no it's not about that it's about becoming more learned it's about reading more books it's about being more in touch with who you are as an emotional being. It's more, it's, it's about being a better friend and being more a part of your community and, and pushing out in ways where you know that you're, you're giving of yourself and that people are often going to take from it and not return. Uh, some are going to try and, and take advantage of it for their own benefit and do it for your sake of doing it and not theirs. And that at the end of the day, you know, Maybe, maybe you break that guy's fingers, but, um, <laughs> you know, to teach him a lesson, but still the point is, okay, this person, I know where these, I know who these people are and what they are. So you know what to do with them and where to keep them in your life. And you move on until you can find those that are worthy of that time and that effort and that energy. And, you know, there it's, it's a, it's a big, scary world to everybody in a lot of ways. But even even those that manage to try and narrow the world into such a very specific bubble to protect themselves in their hearts, they know what's up. They 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 know that they're they're in doing so. They're showing their fear themselves, and uh, you know 
cowards cowards don't sit around thinking they're heroic believe you me well i hope you're enjoying this interview but i just wanted to give you a quick break to tell you about my affiliates i've set up some awesome deals with some amazing companies if you go to www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates or click on the affiliate deals in the blue ribbon at the top of the website homepage, you can go straight to my affiliate wonderland. There's so many special offers, listener exclusive deals and discount codes available here. There really is something for everyone. It doesn't matter if you're buying for yourself, a special occasion or someone else in your life. You can find anything and whatever you may need here. There's a lot of inspiring companies and interesting products and stuff you might not have seen before. There's companies like Onnit, Amazon, MeAndies, Barbell Aparo, Dollar Shave Club, etc. covered here. There's companies that will help you with dating, sport and equipment. There's companies that look at outdoor equipment, gadgets and so much more. If you need it, it's there. And stuff you may not even know you needed, but you need to splash out and get. Simply go to www.nextlittleguy.com forward slash affiliates and enjoy. Please note, I don't receive any information on you or your purchases. All I receive is a small commission from the business as a thank you for sending you to shop with them by using my links. This doesn't a price the pay that you pay, but it helps me develop and expand the podcast. So I'm extremely thankful for you taking the time to spend your money via my links. You're helping me make this podcast better and better each week. And now, let's get back to the interview. I wish I knew when I was younger, you know. It kind of, I spent ages feeling like I was the only person who didn't know what I was doing, you know, who felt like something was wrong. You know, it's like the imposter syndrome. You kind of, it's, you think there's something wrong with you that everybody else is normal and you're just not fitting in because there's something defective in your mindset or the way you look at life, you know. I mean, that was what I was really interested in with you was because you had gone from being one of the youngest UFC champions of all time you had tapped out the likes of Dean Lister, who had never been tapped out in years. And then you transitioned from that to the sort of entertainment side of sports and competing, where you, you went to MMA, where, I mean, the results are predetermined, but there's still a hell of a lot of physicality and, like, you know, the primalness and competing and the, like, the sport and that from that. You know, how did you find that transition? to move away from, because you said earlier, you know, that you had this side of you that was into, like, dominance and control and you could switch it on, etc. You know, how did you do that? You know, is that why you create the the Bloodsport um, brand? Is that why you continually uh, comment on fights and stuff? Are you trying to keep that side fulfilled? You know, how, like, how have you found that transition between real competition to wrestling side of things to you know being the coach to being the promoter to the uh, commenter you know does it does it affect you in any way um well they're all mildly related to what i do as a fighter and so part of my job is to try and take those the essences of being in the ring and display them and uh, and uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for to uh, verbalize uh, display them to to the world so that they can have a better understanding and also to try and elevate their experience of what it is that they're watching by being hopefully 
tuned into part of what it's like to be there, or at least what it's like to be there from from my perspective. Um, I do. I'm. <laughs> I don't know where I fall on that. Like, was it e- ENFJ or any of that? Like, I don't know. There's like some sort of personality test that I swear to God everyone seems to take these days. Uh, <laughs> damned if I have fucking time to figure out that. But um, I'm a pretty introverted person. Uh, like I said, that lone wolf mentality kind of it really hasn't left me, and I still am the kind of the sort of person to go and just do things on my own all the time and you know go somewhere and meet up run into a whole bunch of people that i know interact with them great and then leave you know i come i come alone and i leave alone so um it's just sort of who i am and it's just been something that i've come to terms with throughout my life but uh there's also a part of me that really enjoys being in the limelight and being extroverted and you know, I mean, this is a bit of an extroverted uh, exercise in and of itself. But uh, and I have a lot. I feel like I have something to say uh, in in most situations. And um, I, I realize that communication w- is a very important thing, uh, and being able to spread ideas, to um, dive into things and to, and to to wrestle with other people about ideas and feelings is a necessary thing and perhaps um, maybe even a very important thing towards helping all of us have a better understanding of our own bearing in the world um, because as you said you know there's a point in your life where you just felt like oh there must be something faulty in me um, as to why I don't fit in or the world seems so strange or, or unnatural to me. Um, well, everybody feels that way uh, at a point. And to be honest, even as we get older, we have a better bearing, but usually what we do is we, we just, uh, we, we, uh, um, we don't just specialize, but we, uh, we narrow our field, our, our field of view. Uh, so that way, you know, we stick into those things which are already known to us. So we, we create our, we, we fiddle around in the dark and we kind of find some things that we are comfortable with and then we just stay in that. And, you know, that's, that's a real struggle as you become into adulthood to not stay in that safe place and to continually venture into those dark waters and those 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 places where there is no light and and bring a fire to it to see what's there or burn it away um and being able to communicate with people and express community you know ideas and emotions um i think it makes the world a better place it also allows me to, to to become a better person and to hear and to hear new perspectives and it gave me something of of ground I've already turned over. But I used a shovel and maybe they used a pick, and so mm-hmm. how they see it, how it how it turned out for them versus how it turned out for me is similar yet different. And just that small difference can be could maybe maybe be a really important way about how you will then go about viewing that thing later on in life or from that point on. 
And ultimately, I also just really love it. I have a great time doing these things. I've, when it comes to professional wrestling, I love being out in the ring. I, I come from essentially a pro wrestling background. I mean, that's the lineage that I'm derived from. Carl Gotch, Billy Robinson, uh, Antonio Inoki. And as these have filtered down either directly to me or through my old coaches. And so for me, I'm keeping these these fires alive. I'm passing them down to other people and and showing where I came from, my philosophies in it and, and expressing this to the world. And it's important to me to do that. Um, but it's also a, a, a blast to be in that ring and to, to show struggle and overcoming and to try and give at least the the performance of a hero's journey in a ring with me and my opponents in the professional wrestling world. Um, and with blood sport, that's a, a greater extension of that. It's not just me and my match. It's, it's all the matches and picking the right um, athletes and making the right matchups and creating the product that will develop in a way that shows my approach, my upbringing, my lineage from professional wrestling to the world. And in a, in a, in a, in a world, that, meaning professional wrestling as it sits today, that I feel has strayed quite far from it. And that what I have to bring is, is now actually quite unique and perhaps even uh, so unique that it's the only one you'll see of its type for the most part. Um, I'm not here to let that die out. Um, but at the same time, people love it. They're eating it up and they're having a great time with it. And so I'm glad to bring that to the, to the masses and to give people that outlet and to show them that good time and give them that thing to talk about and discuss and argue and even complain, whatever the case may be. Um, I'm happy for it. And when it comes to the acting, I've just always been a really big fan of film. I've watched a lot of movies from a very young age. Um, and across a lot of genres and still do and to me the idea that I could put on a, some clothes and take on a role and live a different life and and be a part of that process is awesome it's just another thing where the door was there and I just decided to step through it it wasn't a decision it wasn't like a I didn't set a goal for it but it came to my doorstep so I did, and I, I opened that box up, and the, having that kind of approach, to, well, I think part of, I, have, I, I can have that approach to life because I know who I am. I'm secure in myself, and, and what I can do, and who I am, and how I will operate in the world. Um, I, I don't know if I'm exactly Dasein, but I'd like to think that I am. Um, but by being in that, by being that kind of person, whatever comes my way, I, I can, I can take advantage of it. I can jump into it. I can, and, or, you know, decide that the juice won't be worth the squeeze for that. So I'll move it into a different, I'll move it in a different dire uh, direction. So just 
people ask me all the time, well, how do you know this band? How do you know this? How do you know that? How are you friends with these people? How did you get to do this? How do you, you know, I'm like, well, I just am. And I allow myself to be open to what is a bit, what, what may come my way. And I don't believe in a woo type of, oh, the universe just, I'm open to the universe and it just provides, no, I don't fucking think like that at all. But, you know, one day I'm, doing a advertising promotional campaign for Ray-Ban sunglasses with Vice Magazine. And then I'm on a tour bus with Behemoth. And then I'm out going out to the track days uh, with Formula Drift racing champion Dayo Shihara. And we're, we're road racing on the streets of Willow. And then... Then some. Then I'm in Romania shooting a movie with Steven Seagal, and you know these things are not. They were not part of some plan. They weren't some thing that I could sit down and. I mean, how could anybody put that together? And then oh, and then I'm professional wrestling uh, with you know, Yuji Nagata in Japan, and then I'm. They just think you can't. This is too all over the board. There's no. There's no no thread that connects any of these things to themselves, but me. That's just because I, I'm available. I'm open. I'm capable of stepping through these doorways because of who I've built into who I am, and being able to then adapt and and move forward. And I'm not saying it's not it's not it's not without fear. I mean, I get nervous all the time about this kind of stuff. Um, I was scared to death to get on stage with this death metal band Nile and sing. Black Seeds of Vengeance with them, their closing song. And I had no intention of doing such a thing, but I know um, uh, the main guy in the band, Carl Sanders, and I'm standing in the audience, and he points me out and goes, yeah, he's going to come up and sing with us tonight, and this, that, and the other. And it's like, oh, fuck. So, you know, tour manager comes out, grabs me, we go back there, and I'm sitting side stage waiting for my time to come out and i have drank water i've done what i'm i'm sweating i feel like my my throat i'm just so afraid my throat's gonna close up and i'm just gonna make some god-awful muppet like squeak and that's it's just gonna be the most embarrassing freezing moment in my life and i went out and i did what i could do and i don't i mean i guess it didn't sound nearly as bad as i thought but i was just the adrenaline dump and i oh it was so it was so scary. It was absolutely frightening. And you know, Carl just was like, what are you talking about? You fight people for a living. I go, man, it is not the same. You know, if you asked me to go out there and just start fighting people in the audience, fuck, man, I would, I would be in my, I would just be wallowing like a, like a pig in shit. It would be great. But you asked me to get up here and sing. Not the same thing. And it was terrifying. But I did it anyways. I could have said no. I could have backed out. I could have been like, no, I can't do it. But there was no way I was going to do that. I was more—I would be more disappointed that I was a coward than than to go out there and fail. Because you know, life is made up of all these experiences. When do you when do you get to have that experience again? And luckily, of all things, I've actually been up there uh, like one or two other times with them. Like the last time I did it, I even told my buddy, I go, hey, film this. And I went up and just ripped it. And it was just like, okay, great. But you don't get to that point until 
you're scared shitless and you do it anyways. It just doesn't happen. And so you think you're going to get another shot? You probably won't. Most of these things may never, will never come your way again. So why the fuck are you such a chicken shit that you won't just take the shot? There's so many people listening just now thinking, I wish I could do my dream. I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. And, you know, you're evolving every time. You're you're scratching your businessman itch. You're talking about the sport. You're competing. You're doing the, the, you know, you're going out and singing with bands and stuff. I mean, I had pages of questions on about, like, how to fight, the mindset, recovery, all this kind of stuff. But this is why I was actually really glad when I started researching it that we've gone down this kind of road because this will have a bigger impact on people when they let it sink in and actually understand where it's coming from than, oh, how did you get on in such and such a fight? Why did you do this? Why do you do that? Because this will actually change people's lives. And this is your life is the kind of life that everybody wants, but nobody can figure this out how to get it. And it's so good to see that you, you, know, you admit that you're scared shitless, that you, you, know, that you kind of that's how you view it because people will pick up on that and go do it themselves i mean i love i was going to say you know you fight people for a living but you're scared of singing and i I completely appreciate that you know i mean of all these kind of changes and events and stuff like that what's been your favorite thing to do uh well nothing takes a backseat to fighting uh fighting people is was the the thing that i feel most alive in the world and the day that that's not going to be in my life is going to be a tough one. I know that, but there'll be ways at which I can still tease or uh, play around the edge of that lake. Um, I intend to be involved in fighting combat sports my entire life. Uh, I've got a lot to give. That's why I coach um, and, and I mentor people. You know, I don't just have a fight team and take money out of them. I make sure that, you know, to me, it's it's important that... Not only did they become better at fighting, that they become better at being a human being. So um, I don't have any interest to take people on that I don't think are of character um, to be a part of this with me. And you know, I got Victor Henry going out to Japan to fight in Ryzen um, about a little over a couple weeks. And he's ranked number 21 in the world as a bantamweight. And I... Cannot wait to try and get him to number one. Um, but it's more than just that. It's about seeing how he's developed in his life, the kind of person he's become, that he now is able, he, he teaches at times too for me, with me, and to see that that traveling on that path and where it has taken him. And because... You know, you, you can't just stay in one one space forever. You have to you have to grow. You have to get. You have to you have to go up further up that mountain. And and when it comes to being scared shitless and or chasing your dreams, I mean, chasing your dreams is such a cliche idea. And people have a lot of fucking dreams. And yeah, there's some things that I, I there's some things that I could dream of, but I'm not going to accomplish those. Right? Like I'm not going to become prob. I could. I could see maybe that I could have the possibility of becoming a good enough road racing driver that maybe I could compete in like the Pirelli world challenge. Is that very likely though? No, probably not. I probably won't ever get that good. Um, but 
um, I could make steps to get better and, and do things and, you know, and then check in and see where that's at. The main thing is when the whole idea of chasing your dreams is be, when you try to go after anything in the world, be fully aware and understanding that you probably won't get what you're fucking looking for, that you're going to fail. And you, you might not, you know, I tell people that get into fighting, I go, the chances that you're going to become a champion are very small. And the likelihood that you're going to be one of the greats, probably not. You know, this and people think of that as like a very pessimistic way of viewing it. But my point is that it's not the reward from other things. It's the reward of doing it that you derive. And so you'll never be your best at anything unless you do it with everything you got. And your best level at it might not be even mediocre. Okay. And given that, is it something that is, you know, uh, costs more than it's than than it's giving you? Then then you know, readjust it, reevaluate your your position here. But what you did to get to that point isn't also like I said with combat sports. It's not just limited to learning how to, you know, uh, throw throw a hook and and use a double wrist lock, it's, it's, there's so much more to that journey that is available to you as a person to apply in other ways. And if you're not, I mean, I find it be very hard for an individual to not grow in more than just a physical sense, let's say, in doing jiu-jitsu, unless they were so ignorant at being able to explore who they are on a deeper level or the other one being they're deliberately refusing to engage in that part of themselves because they're afraid of what they're going to find and they don't want to do that work. So um, striving for your dreams is, is a difficult task. Is that what takes somebody from good and average to brilliant, do you think? is that ability to open themselves up and develop and evolve themselves as a fighter as much as their skill set? Mm, somewhat. I think that there is there's validity to it, but there's also people that are just dumb fucking prodigies. They're just really great at that, and the rest of their life, they're never really going to be much anything else. And there's some of that sometimes, too. I mean, this, this has been one of the funnest interviews I've had in a long time. It's really made me kind of think and view things outside of it. I mean, I, I've still got pages I would love to go on, but I'm really aware I've gone way over your time limit. I mean, for blood sport, for example, you know, why, for people who don't know what that is, you know, could you just give a quick sort of introduction to it about the upcoming events, mm-hmm. how people can check it out, etc.? Well, uh, this is going to be our second event with me. Um, so myself and Game Changer Wrestling got together and we continued what was Matt Riddle's blood sport. Uh, and we came together and we, and they, they, they reached out to see if I would be a part of, you know, doing, continuing this brand and, you know, wrestling. And I said, well, yeah, I'll do it, but I, it's not enough for me to wrestle. I have to, my name's on it. I have to produce it, book it, you know, I have to have my hand in all of it. And they said, fine. And so Josh Barnett's Bloodsport is truly an extension of how I see wrestling and what wrestling is to me. And it is a wrestling event, a professional wrestling event, where the you can only win by knockout or submission. Um, the action is hard-hitting. 
it is very much like watching full-on MMA fights. Um, but, uh, you know, it is professional wrestling. And the thing is, it's, it's about, it's not about fancy costumes. It's not about catchphrases or anything like that. It's about showing struggle and overcoming. It's about heroic conflict on the mats. It's about, it's about loss. It's about tragedy and it's about, uh, triumph. It's, it's, we're trying to get people to be invested in the emotional construct of it all. And also, you know, watching people display high level uh, skills of combat, not just a bunch of choreography. And do you think uh, modern day wrestling has gone wrong? Yeah, I believe so. I believe it's become more of a, a sideshow of a, of a wink and a nudge. And it's, made up of a lot of people that have no idea how to actually wrestle. So everybody's out there pretending to be a wrestler. And honestly, if you're watching a bunch of stuff of people trying to interpret something that they don't know how to do, I don't know how that could be. I mean, uh, you know, it gets to a point sometimes where I, well, I'll say as a, as a critique, if I just want to watch a bunch of people do a bunch of athletically minded stuff, then I'll just go watch Cirque du Soleil because those are some of the most absolute, insanely talented athletes in the entire world. They suffer and train their whole fucking lives just to be able to get a tryout. And the barrier of entry is so exceedingly high that you only get the best people. And if they can't stay at the level necessary to be in that company for whichever show it is, then they get replaced. That is the highest some of the highest level of athleticism you will come across and art so if that's if that's if i want to watch a bunch of people run around and flip and do stuff and and just do a bunch of cool choreography and athletic stunts i'll watch that because you're not going to do better than that sorry there's no one in professional wrestling that could that could operate to that capability what i want to watch professional wrestling for is i want to watch people show me something that really is an expression of the struggle and the story between the combatants. And I want it to matter. I want these people to treat it like it's real. Like they're like, there's really something on the line, not give me a bunch, not, not treat it like it's fake and just be like, Oh, well, you know, this isn't real. So who cares? Because I don't want someone, when they're doing a magic trick, trying to tell me <laughs> how it's not real. I don't want someone, uh, a movie, telling me how all the CGI is done. I just want to watch it and I want to immerse myself in it. And so I feel like wrestling has gone wrong in that it's, it's taken the approach, well, a lot of the wrestlers are trained by people that don't know how to wrestle. So I, I can't entirely blame them, but... Yeah, it's taking the approach that, you know, this is all a work anyways, so who cares? We don't need to make sure to keep it realistic. We just, we'll just make it as over the top as possible. I feel like, well, only so far you can go with that. Eventually, you got to get back to the nitty gritty. And so that's what I'm doing with Bloodsport. Uh, we sold out our last event. I bet we're going to sell out this next one, uh, September 14th at uh, the Showboat Hotel and Casino in Atlantic City. 
We air them streaming on Fight TV, and you can watch the last one we did on Fight TV now, actually. It is up there and uh, from WrestleMania week, and my match versus Minoru Suzuki is the main event. And I'm pretty proud of it all. You know, to come from like, the WWE, what it used to be, and it now has writers like, you know, showbiz writers who have never actually been in a real fight, mm-hmm. giving them canned lines, and then looking at the products that you put on, the showcase, the events that you, you know, through your wrestling career, it's amazing to watch. And I love the fact now that you're taking it back to what it should be, the, the roots of it, that made us wrestling fans when we were younger. Um I mean, I'd, l- I'd definitely got to have you back on. We can really talk about putting on the show. We can look at, look at competition, etc., and that. But I know, I know it's we're way over our time limit. But what is the the thing that you want people to remember from this? You know, if if there was a sort of go home message or a, some snippets that you thought that they should remember, what would you say? Like, you know, say th- up to three items. What would you want people to remember from this? Make yourself uncomfortable. Don't be a coward. And strength isn't just about physicality. Strength is about choosing to do what's difficult. Uh, Strength is about going forward and making the the decisions that you think are for the right reasons, even though it's going to cost you. Because I interviewed Chris Duffin yesterday. And like he's a sort of world record holding powerlifter, you know. But his story is like growing up catching rattlesnakes, living you know off the land, like in a sort of hippie coming with his parents, and you know no running water and electricity and stuff like that. And that's why he was talking about strength, but strength spiritually, emotionally, like physically, you know, all kind of aspects of that. And that's what he says: is everything strength is just what you can do physically. But there's so much more to it, and that's why I love how you've kind of outlined through this interview. For those who want to, you know, to find out more about you, watch your fights, you know, watch you compete, watch your um, blood sport, etc. How can we find out more about you and connect? Yeah, you know, before we do round two, what, how can people really get to know who Josh is and see the the projects and keep in touch and you know. Well, you can find me on social media, uh, on Twitter and Instagram at, at Josh L. Barnett. Um, so I try to keep what I'm doing out there in the world so that everybody can see it. Um, I'm on Facebook at uh, Josh Barnett Official. But it's it's so hard to try and find the time to update everything. Um, so Facebook does allow for longer... Um, uh, more uh, um, expansive content, but that also takes more time and effort, uh, which I seem to be lacking. <laughs> but uh, it is still a spot that I try to collate a lot of things and put them up there. Um, and then, you know, there's a wealth of uh, my work out there in the world. You can watch my last professional wrestling match versus Minoru Suzuki in Bloodsport on uh, Fight TV, F I T E. TV, yeah, it's misspelled. I know that, not my choice. Uh, and then um, there's probably a, a, a wealth of it also on UFC Fight Pass. Um, you can find perhaps through New Japan World. You can find uh, my old New Japan Pro Wrestling matches back in the day. Um, the rest of it, man, 
learn to use that motherfucking Google. <laughs> it is, it is your friend. Well, you're living the life that I want, and I really like the fact that you've kind of outlined how to get it, you know, and you've given everybody, including myself, a lot of great tips to do it. So we, could, I've got to have you back on at some point in the future where we can really dive into deeper stuff because you're a very articulate, interesting, very deep person, you know, and there's far more to you than all the, like, just being a fighter. There's far more to you than just being a promoter, you know, so... I cannot thank you enough for this. Um, and the floor is open to you. Is there anything that you want to mention? Anything that you think we haven't covered? Uh, we didn't talk about Highland Scotches. I mean, I'm not. I'm more of an Isla person, to be perfectly honest. Uh, but I, I do like some Highlands. Uh, Glen Glenlivet. Are they a Highland or a Speyside? I think it's Speyside. But I, I, I was oh, thinking like gonna... it's either Livet or Fiddick are Highlands. And one of them's a space side, or maybe they're both space sides. Um, I like uh, Highland Park is great, although that's in Orkney Isle. Yeah, I do enjoy me a scotch quite, quite, quite a bit. Uh, big fan. I like bourbons and Japanese whiskeys too, but Japanese whiskeys are also quite scotch-like since uh, the guy who learned how to make them back in the day lived in Scotland and trained under the scotch. It's amazing when you go into a bar and there's like 10, 15 lined up and you see the tourists sitting there, you know, and the barman will give them like a master class in why you can taste peat in this one and there's honey in this one and smell, you know, and the whole ritual of like the smell, how it's in the glass, what you can mix it and what you can't mix it with. And it, it is amazing. I mean, I wasn't a big fan for it until I've recently got into it, and there's whole channels on YouTube devoted to mm -hmm. it. And it's like, are you over in Scotland anytime soon? Not that, I, not that I'm aware of, but uh, that will be... Any, any chance to go to Scotland is clearly going to evolve, devolve, however you want to put it, into just going from distillery to distillery to distillery to distillery. <laughs> um, there's no way I could get around. I got to go to the, to, to, to the Isle uh, distilleries like Brucolati and Ardbeg. Oh, so great. Or uh, Balvenie is not an uh, Isle, is it? I don't think it is. Yeah, you know, there's a Lafroy. There's, there's so many options out there. And uh, I like it. I like it peaty. I like it unpeated. I like it. I, I like blends even. Um although I am preferential towards single malts, to be perfectly honest, but, uh, you know, line them up. I'll drink them. <laughs> As a thank you, if you ever get over, we'll, uh, we'll have to get you out there and we'll get you, we'll take you some tours. We'll get you some, you know, get you some samples, you know, visit some places and, you know, maybe do a wee tour of the Highlands and show you some places to visit. Cause I think you'd love it. You know, because you seem to be very keen on it, and there's nothing nicer than having a, a wee, yeah, yeah, you know, a wee. I say a wee one for that. Uh, <laughs> oh, you can hear a dram, right? You know, a wee uh, dram. I, well, <laughs> coming, coming from the Highlands, you you kind of just get used to it. It's like drinking like Coca Cola sometimes. You know, it's a, it's a bit too nice, shall we say? But um, I really cannot thank you. I think you're a fantastic guy. Um, it's there's so much more to you than meets the eye and that's why I'm so keen to have you on and I can't say anything but wish you success, you know, you're going to be brilliant, the blood sports is going to kill it um, 
the I mean, what's next for you? Is it going wrestling? Is it competing? Uh, I'm hoping what, to compete the by the end. I'm hoping to do an MMA fight by the end of the year. Um, you know, as far as the MMA side of things, it's just about use. I'll know when it's when it's when it's time to call it good and uh, use it up until till then. So I don't have to look back and be like oh, I left it on the table. Mm. That would be the worst thing is not sure. Yeah, you know, what could have happened. I've had enough regrets in my life at the moment. That's why I started the podcast and wanted to change and move and get away from those guys because I knew I wasn't going anywhere. I knew there's more to life that could be achieved and I didn't want to be 80. Mm-hmm. I think it's something like the top five regrets. One of them is wasting time and looking back thinking, what if? You know, and that would destroy me thinking, what if I never started the podcast? What if I didn't do this? What if I didn't do that? It's like you said... You can be fucking terrified, but go and do it, and it'll change you. 100%. That's it for another week. Thanks for listening. Absorb it. Practice it. Use it. Until next time, keep trying to hit that next level in your life.